Tom, this is podcasting is a radio. It's an audio format. You can't just have moment long moments of dead air, and then you just come in five seconds later and start talking. It doesn't work that way. Hello, everybody, and welcome into another edition of Talgo TV, the only podcast that booked a one night stay in Amsterdam. I'm David Arroyo, joined as always by my pal Tom Shively. Tom, we're back. Another edition of The Wire. It's the middle four episodes of season three. But of course, per usual, I gotta know how you doing today. I mean, amenities at Amsterdam are fantastic. The continental breakfast needs a little work, but you know, I'm doing all right, feeling refreshed after this day. All right, Tom, we're going to do something a little different for this week's edition of Talgo TV. You know, normally I'm opening up a bunch of fandom tabs, which I've done, and trying to parse through and see, you know, what's the thing we need to talk about. But, you know, usually you've watched these more recently than I have. So this week, I think what we're going to do is piece by piece, we're trying to just pick your brain and find out what it is Tom Shively really wants to talk about. So if we miss anything this week, it's your fault, not my fault. Tom, let's start off top. What's the very first thing you want to talk about in these episodes? No, no, no you got it wrong. If we miss anything, it's because it's not important. It's not because it's my fault. And uh, also, nice way to jab at me that I procrastinate more than you and watch the episodes later. I didn't miss that. That, that was not what I was doing. I was just pointing out that generally you do watch them later than I do, which means like you come into these knowing it a little bit more than me, where me, I watched it like three days ago and I'm That's like fair. trying That's to fair. pull back from the memory like, all right, what happened in that episode? And then what happened in that one? Luckily, I just watched these. I finished these yesterday. So I watched one more yesterday. We were on the same timetable this time is what I'm saying. Tom, where do you want to start? All right, let's be honest. There's really only one place to start. Our our boy Avon is out of prison, as we know through this episode. And it's been building really since the end of season one, the, this Avon Stringer controversy, the, the, this collision that we're going to see. And we get our first taste of it in episode eight when they're meeting, you know, after Avon gets shot, he's getting nursed back to health. And Stringer admits to him that he was behind, you know, killing D'Angelo when he was in prison. Avon, as you would expect, doesn't take it very well. Kind of goes at Stringer a little bit, but Stringer, you know, Avon's a little wounded, so Stringer kind of puts him down easily and explains it to him. You know, I had to do it. D'Angelo's going to rat all of us out. Like, it had to make sense. And he kind of subdues Avon for a little bit, but Avon's not the type of guy to let this go away. So this kind of feels like the first the first meeting of many between the two where this kind of this, this conflicting, I don't want to say ego, but it's kind of like I do it my way versus I do it my way. And it's kind of ultimately people are going to have to choose sides. You know, we've been hitting on it pretty much the last few episodes of, of, of this conflict kind of coming to a central focus here. And Stringer wins the first one. And, you know, he's very kind of almost easily able to kind of sway Avon a little bit. I don't know how much of that is Avon just kind of being pinned down and like, whatever, get off of me. Like, explain yourself. We'll deal with it later. Because I don't think this is something that Avon's going to forget. And I think he's going to look at Stringer in a different way. And this is kind of the first, oh, you're doing this for you, not for us moment for Avon. And I think that that is the key situation here. And that's been the most important scene of, of the season so far. Well, it's funny. I, I think you kind of hit on everything that need to be hit on there in terms of Stringer and Avon and what's going on there. Obviously, you mentioned 
you know, Avon gets shot. That happens with Marlowe and his crew. They're, you know, trying to ambush Marlowe and they easily are able to see what's going on there. And I actually think the only reason I bring that up, I think that is supposed to be some sort of parallel for how a stringer Avon beef would actually go. Because I think what they've really laid out and set up for us here is that Avon is not nearly as smart and as cunning as he thinks he is. And Stringer, if anything, over the last, you know, season and a half why Avon's been in prison has shown you time and time again not only can he outsmart the police not only is he ahead of most of these other drug dealers in the community he's just like a really smart guy in general whether it be businesses the drug trade etc etc and I think the show was trying to make it pretty explicit that if Marlowe can beat Avon, then Stringer can easily outsmart and beat Avon at his own game. Well, th- that's kind of why he tells Avon is because c- Avon comes at him with the line like, you know, I handle the streets. You know, this is my thing. You know, I, w- I was hardened in there for two years, and you know, you're more corporate. You know, you wear your suits. You 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 think you have all these smarts, but you know, I have the 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 street smarts, the drug smarts. And then Stringer's like, oh really? And then boom, like I killed D'Angelo. So he kind of gets the last laugh there, and I think. I don't want to say, but it, it, it's a little bit of the beginning of the end for Avon, because now that this has been established, like where does he go from here? Like who's who's running with Avon that isn't going to run with Stringer? I feel like, and this is kind of a good transition, but one of Avon's biggest allies is now out of the game. Cuddy, you know, came and, and was very honest and was like, "Hey, you know, I this isn't for me anymore. Like I'm, I don't want to prioritize this. Like I, I can't do it in me." You know, he has the situation where he he's got the kid at gunpoint, he just can't kill him, and it's like. I just don't have it in me anymore. And I think he comes to terms with that. And this is the first, the second time, I guess, someone's really tried to be out of it. Maybe third, I guess you could count Wallace. But like we saw D'Angelo kind of had that little hint that he wanted to be out. Wallace had that hint that he wanted to be out. And obviously those two guys were both killed. So you kind of wonder, Cuddy, you know, has it, seems like it's kind of patched over when he introduces it, but you know, I don't think anyone expects him to to survive much longer if he if he's out of the game because I think he just knows too much. I don't I don't think Avon and his people are willing to just let him walk away. See, I I hope they just he's one of those characters that they could just let walk away just because he did his time. And so like the thing like you would think they would trust him enough not to speak on it because he was in there for so long and didn't rat. You know, he did his time and he's out and he thought about coming back, but you know. Something happened in prison where he just doesn't want to go back to prison. And so I hope that he makes it out just because you see the groundwork they're laying there of him being, you know, a member of his community. And I don't want to see him die just because I think it's important for the show to have somebody like him who is essentially in a way rehabilitated, who didn't just go to prison and then fall right back into it. Yeah, he did go back into it for a bit. And I did touch on that, you know, in earlier episodes, but to see him now finding his own path and finding a way, I I think that's something that the show should show because yeah, like prison incarceration rates in America are very poor. Like I think it's something like 80% of people who go to prison once go again, And so it would be nice for them to show that other side of it, the minority of people who don't end up back in the prison system. But but I think the show so far, at least, had has hit on the theme that like you can't escape it, and I think you see that. Like I mentioned with Wallace and D'Angelo, you know, you see guys that that do want to correct their lives, and and they just can't. And and sometimes you're in too deep. And I think Stringer certainly 
is a great example of that. So is Avon. You know, they're always thinking about the trade. They're always thinking about the craft. They're always thinking about the game, you know, whatever it may be. But I just don't see it. I hope you're right because I think that would send a good message. But I don't necessarily trust the show to send a good message. Yeah, I mean, it's a lot like when you were hoping characters would make it in Game of Thrones. It's like you're just you're fighting the wrong fight on that front. Someone, though... Since we're on the topic, someone who I could definitely see, though, like, quote unquote, making it out of the game, even if it's more in words as opposed to literal actions, is Stringer has it written all over him that he doesn't want to actually be involved day to day with this anymore, that he wants to be the man 30 feet away, a lot like we saw the Greek, where he's watching from afar, he steps in when he needs to, and on the day-to-day operations, he's running legitimate businesses, businesses so legitimate that all the money he has is real. It's not drug money. And, you know, the drug trade is over there and that's a thing that he operates and watches over, but they could never pin any charges to him. Like Stringer has it written all over him to me that he could actually make it out of the, out of the game, quote unquote. Not a huge paper trail. That's been a big focus him since season one, really, since we met him. And I think he's you hit the head. He's kind of furthering himself from that with every move he makes. And I want to talk uh, our boy Clay Davis. Wait, bro, what's real up? quick go ahead, before go we ahead. go to Clay Davis, um, you had mentioned something very briefly about, you know, Stringer and Avon. You had said something along the lines of who would even run with Stringer. I'm kind of curious no, who would what you run think. with Avon. Same thing. That's that's what I meant. Sorry. If if from your perspective, like. Does Avon have nobody on his team at this point? Like, are all these people pro Stringer people? Like, have they given up on Avon? Because that's kind of how I see it too. Like, if it came down to it, people are going to side with Stringer because most of the people we see now have been put on by Stringer. They haven't been put on by Avon. Well, because I mean, who who are you looking at? You're looking at Cuddy who left, and you're looking at guys like Bodie and Pooh, maybe who you know when Avon comes up to them, they're like, "Yeah, well, Stringer told us to do this. So, like, this is what we're doing now." Stringer and it's gave always, them their Stringer shot. said this. Yeah, so. I, I don't see it for Avon. Like I, maybe I'm missing something, but I, I don't see the path back to to prominence for Avon. I think that it's probably going to end unfortunately for him. Stringer anyway. or not Stringer? Right. Stringer. Clay Our Davis. boy Clay Davis. We brought up Stringer. We brought up his uh, his little foray into real estate. You know, he gets into it. He's kind of Clay. Kind of calls him out a little bit. You know, first you got to crawl, then you got to walk, then you got to run. Says he isn't ready for it. Stringer kind of convinces him that he is. Clay Davis is fascinating to me because I think we see a lot of Carcetti in the first four episodes and that like kind of hits on the political corruption of it. And Carcetti might not inherently be corrupt, but he's definitely got these ulterior motives of like, hey, I want to be mayor, so I got to paint myself a certain way. I'm willing to like take jabs at at the police department. But But Clay Davis is really like the full on corrupt politician and... This is what we're really getting at in season three is this stuff going on. And Clay Davis really just kind of does whatever he wants. And, you know, he clearly has a ton of money at stake. And he's got like a little bit of Greek in Clay Davis, too. Because I know you mentioned Stringer with like the Greek. But Clay Davis kind of feels like he's got his hands in the in this real estate game, in this, in this drug game even a little bit from afar. And he's really kind of being corporate, being political about it. And... That relationship with Stringer has just become really fascinating to me, kind of how it's it, it's really Stringer and Clay Davis, I think, of equal intelligence. And I think it's fascinating to see them kind of go back and forth when there's disagreements. Yeah, Clay, Clay's interesting just because he's been around since season one. He's been around since his driver got pulled over in that first season. So it's 
pretty obvious that he has always been involved in some way, kind of like we mentioned, like the 50-foot view, kind of like the Greek was. But there's no way you could pin anything on Clay Davis at this point because I think if there was, we would have seen it. And so, you know, if they're not showing us and they're not telling us that he's someone who you could take down in that way, then my assumption is you can't. And I think Stringer, kind of like you mentioned, sees a lot of himself in Clay and sees him as somebody who can put him on and once he's on, he's he's not going anywhere. And that's just the way Stringer is. The, the vibe I get is like Stringer down the line is going to try to cross Clay at some point and like betray his trust. And so I think that's when it's going to kind of maybe get a little sticky for Stringer. See, but I, I think Stringer's a smart guy. And in my head, like what what does he gain by doing that? I, I don't know what Stringer has to gain by crossing Clay, where I feel like having Clay as an ally, he he clearly up to this point has a lot to gain by having that ally fair enough he's too smart for that i'll hear it all right all right tom where are we gonna go next i think we've kind of hit on everything involving avon and stringer where do you want to go next well the format doesn't work if you just ask me where i'm gonna go every time you you, you're still leading you know you're you're putting your hands in you know if you're gonna if you're gonna fake lead me the show like let me fake do it you know gotta commit to it go ahead tom no, see stuff like that too. What are we doing? Come on, just just let it breathe a little bit. Just let it breathe a little bit. Tom, this, this right, is let's... podcasting is a radio. It's an audio format. You can't just have moment long moments of dead air and then you just come in five <laughs> seconds later and start talking. It doesn't nah, work that nah, way. No, nah, no, nah. yeah, it does because we do whatever we want. Anyway, Hamsterdam. All right, we kind of mentioned it a little bit in the open. Um, we're it's it's an experiment, right? Is the best way to put it. And I think Colvin. You know, it worked really well in the first couple of episodes. You see the crime numbers are way down for the quarter that they're measuring it. You know, the, the violent crimes are down. It's it's kind of accomplished what they want it to accomplish. But uh, the the internal guy, I don't, I don't know his name. I don't know if they ever actually mentioned his name. That's like talking to Colvin and starts to bring up the problems with Hamsterdam about like you need doctors in there. You need people to protect those that are there it's just becoming like a a breeding ground for for druggies basically and he starts to bring up some of those tangible problems yeah i was just gonna say you're talking about the the guy who is like super religious and he's he's actually like cuddy's mentor yeah him and he's like playing pool with colvin and that's that guy yeah i don't think i don't know if they actually name him but i'm sure his name is floating out there somewhere he kind of brings up the, the the issues that colvin maybe I think has always kind of realized they were there, but turned a blind eye to, to a certain extent. And now it's, it's really a, he's trying to slit this experiment by his superiors and just kind of working essentially on his own here. And B it's just, it was kind of failed from the start. And I think you kind of see some of those issues that, you know, you, you concentrate drugs in one place. There are naturally going to be issues. There's always going to be power struggles. And I think, it's just a fascinating kind of social experiment in general, and, and, and it's gone kind of how you'd expect it to go so far. Well, yeah, I, the thing is, though, right, I think the show is pretty clearly set up that a lot of people are going to start dying in relation to Amsterdam. One person in particular, Johnny, is all but dead. He is not. We're not going to see that man alive again in this show. And if we do, he's going to be high out of his mind the way he was these last couple episodes. Like they've set up this breeding ground where and it's something I hadn't thought about until they really showed it. And then I was like, oh, yeah, I guess that makes perfect sense. But they set up this breeding ground where it's like 
the drug addicts never need to leave because oh what's right there oh well more drugs it's right there uh, you know oh i gotta go leave like, for oh this 10- is sanctioned cool okay yeah like i gotta leave for 10 minutes to go steal some stuff sell it and then i can come back and get more of exactly what i want that's fine or somebody else is gonna buy it i can just share needles and like these dudes just don't leave and so it's only a matter of time till people start dying people find out about it and you have to imagine colvin at that point again they've hinted at it a hundred times that you know oh i only got a couple months till i retire I, i got my 30 years i'm gonna have my pension as a major He's not making it to the end of the season as a major. It's so obvious and it's written all over every time there's an interaction with him. And the one thing I really love about Colvin, though, and I I, I don't know if we've talked about this or not. They make it very clear these episodes. And it's like so clear that McNulty learned everything he needed to learn about defying authority and doing what he wants from Colvin. Colvin does all the same things and somehow has made it to major. It's very much, yeah, I'm going to hide this from everybody. I'm going to create my own plan and just put my people in place and we're going to execute it and everybody else be damned. And I, it is a lot of McNulty. And I mean, I think you're coming to a point where Hamsterdam is going to fail at some point And, you're going to be back to square one with, if not worse with, with the drug problems that you see. And it it just kind of feels like a ticking time bomb. And just, you wonder what it's probably going to be deaths that, that finally blow that thing apart. And it's just what happens after that. And I think I I like the scene where, uh, like Herc has them gathered around and is like, look, Colvin's backed us up all the time. Like we got to just trust him on this one. That was Carver or Carver had it. Yeah. And then, I don't remember the other lieutenant, like the bearded guy that like is is really going at Colvin sometimes and like kind of sees through all of it. Uh, but but he's kind of the the spark plug of oh there is some internal doubt in the department that that this really may not be that good of an idea and it and it's gonna probably end up backfiring on them. See, not only do I think is Johnny gonna die, but I don't think they ever showed us that elderly woman getting moved out. It. You know she's not making it. She she's gonna die because oh, yeah. of something related to Hamsterdam. Like the right there is two obvious people who are gonna die, and it's gonna be the woman dying that is gonna be the huge uproar probably from the police department, and it's what's gonna get Colvin probably fired. All right, we mentioned Marlo a little bit earlier. We didn't really get that much into it. We haven't hit on 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 his posse yet, really. You know, you don't you don't see a ton of Marlo. I think you. He's got the one scene about, you know, like, I want to be the king. And then his advisor is like, great line. He says, everyone that's worn the crown is either in prison or the graveyard. And Marlo's like, I still want to do it anyway. So he's clearly very ambitious. He's taking a little bit of a rogue mentality to it. Like, he doesn't have the manpower that Avon does. And you kind of see Avon surprised by that, where he's like, this guy with nobody, like, no street cred is coming and taking our corners. Like, what are we doing? And so... He's a little bit of this mysterious figure, and you know he's obviously got at Avon a few times. Goes after Omar as well. He uh, kills one of Omar's, like the women that Omar was working with, and Omar really hasn't been the same since. So, well, he doesn't, but that's his group, isn't it? No, I'm pretty sure that's uh, that's Stringer's group because Omar Is kept it? hit because Omar kept hitting, kept trying to hit houses that Stringer and them held because he was trying to like hurt Stringer's bottom line essentially, and that was his way of getting back at Stringer. So yeah, I'm pretty sure that house was a Stringer slash Prop Joe house. Fair enough. All right. Well, anyway, we got Marlo kind of. He's weird to me because I, I still think he's trying to find his place. Like, I don't really think he fits anywhere with, with these other guys in terms of 
Like he's going after Stringer, but doesn't really have the beef to get after him. So Marlowe's interesting for the only for the reason to me that he is somewhere in between Avon and Stringer. He doesn't really have a beef with Stringer from what I've noticed. He has a beef with like Stringer's people being near his corners and uh, they're not near his corners. He doesn't really care. But he clearly has a beef with Avon because Avon is trying to kill him. So like and his mentality is like bet like if this is what you want to do we can play this game and literally comes very close to killing avon you know avon's boy gets killed in the back seat with them they don't really spend a lot of time talking about it other than you know he got shot just drive (laughs) yeah exactly but marlo marlo's interesting because in terms again of he's a little he's a lot of bit of avon and he's trying to be Stringer, if that makes sense, where he wants to be that guy way behind the scenes who is just pulling the strings, telling people what to do, making all the money, but also being like the tough guy that Avon is. But at the same time, he is is dumb, I guess, in the way he does things like his expensive car is in his name. He has houses in his name. And it's like, dude, you don't have a job like they're going to figure out that you're Something's selling up here. Your yeah, and so so like he he's not as smart as Stringer, but he is smarter in terms of street smarts than Avon currently is. I I truly think Avon being in prison as long as he was actually hurt his his street smarts. Oh, for sure. Yeah, because you've seen it with a couple characters where they're like, "Yo, the game has changed," and they kept saying that to Cuddy. The game has changed, and Avon was in prison for two years. The game clearly changed while he was away, and he thinks it's still the same game. Yeah, because Marlowe is kind of that, the new wave, and you wonder when it comes to like him and Stringer if he can actually make any progress. And I think with the cops, too, that Marlowe's kind of flown under the radar a little bit for them, and now you kind of see they're starting to track the phone purchases, and they're starting to to see some of this other stuff and, and gaining some ground on him. Haven't really talked much about the cops. I, I honestly think it was a pretty quiet four episodes in terms of like McNulty and the gang. I think there's a couple interesting scenes like with him and Kima. Oh, another great, great section is when they, uh, he goes to the cop in Virginia and like thinks he's racist and does the whole bit about like how much he supports white people. And then the cop has a black wife and comes out that that was maybe the funniest scene of the and entire season. And then the cop season. tells Kima and it, the cop tells Kima, your partner is an a-hole. <laughs> he was like, yeah, I know. Like, okay, really? You're like, you're telling me. No, but that was good. So I think they're, I think they're making progress on Marlo. I think you obviously see the frustration that Avon's out of prison. You know, you see it from, you see it from Herc. You see it from pretty much everyone that worked that case back in season one. Like we did all this work and, you know, two years later he's back out. Like what was it all for? And I think it's, it's that feeling kind of, of what did we really accomplish now that Avon's back out? Well, in in terms of the, the police angle though, I, I still think the most interesting thing that happens in these episodes is the and you saw this coming, but it's the McNulty Daniels thing where McNulty once again goes behind his superior's back, goes to Colvin, and is like, "Yo, I need you to like, like press this." And I don't know why McNulty admits to Daniels that, "Yeah, it was me. I went behind your back and I did that." But like, I I respect the balls on McNulty for just looking him square in the face and was like, "Well, you weren't gonna do it, so I someone think, had to." I think he wants him to know. Yeah, like you said, like he 
wants it to be clear to Daniels that like he's still calling the shots to a certain extent. And I think he knows that that's going to get under Daniels' skin. I I mean, yeah, I, it's just not a heady play by McNulty. But the the thing is, at the end of the day, no matter what the threats are in the show, this show, he's the main character. He's one of the central main characters of the show. He's, if I'm not mistaken, on every poster that I've seen of the show. He's on the season one, two, and three poster on Fathom. I'm sure if I looked at four and five, he's also on the poster. So what's that telling me? Well, he's not going anywhere. If Daniels has a team, McNulty's going to be there. And whether or not Daniels likes it or not, he is arguably his best cop on the team it's either him or lester in terms of straight up like who's the best police officer it's either him or lester to me and i would probably lean lester because he's better at like piecing it all together but mcnulty's no slouch and they need him david i feel like we leave this man till the end of the episode every time there's one guy we really haven't talked about yet one omar little um great scene with bunk when he comes to him and is kind of talking about that is the best scene of the show so far, I, in my opinion. The best Take acted. It away. It's it, that scene, right? So I, I guess I'll lay, I'll, I'll describe the scene for everyone. Uh, Bunk is looking for that gun still. He's still looking for that gun that went missing, like whatever cop it was that lost that gun. And eventually, he figures out that Omar would probably know where it is. So he has a scene with Omar where they're sitting on a bench together and they're talking. And Omar is basically like, you know, stop, stop talking to her peoples. Like, why are you going to talk to her peoples? And Bunk really blows up on him and is like, you know, there's kids out there emulating you and you think you're so hard and you think you're this, like we went to the same school, but like, you know, I got made fun of cause I was a smart, I was the smart kid and I was on the straight and narrow path. And you know, it turns out those guys were doing me a favor. Cause he basically is like, I would have been like you, I would have mm-hmm. had no morals. I would have done whatever I wanted. And I just think not only is it incredibly well acted, but it's one of the few times you in the show that we've gotten a a real reaction from from Omar where he actually, you know, his conscience is affected by this. And we've always said, you know, Omar is someone who is a little more in touch with his emotions than some of the other street players in this game in in the show, but in this episode in particular like just the way he spits after Bunk is done, like going on his rant, like you can just feel the emotion in the scene, and it's just, it's so good. The whole scene is so good. Yeah, it's going to bother him a lot. Bunk, I mean, Wendell Pierce again, man, the versatility. Just got to shout him out one more time. The stocks are only going up. So Bunk is, is such a good character, and I think it, it wouldn't really work with any other pairing i think because you kind of mentioned you know you don't see like stringer or avon that would have that kind of emotional side that we've seen with omar you know you see how hard his friends that get killed hit him and you see how emotional he can be and i think bunk obviously has that connection that nobody else does with omar even mcnulty doesn't have that connection with omar and i think bunk kind of it really is a battle of like bunk trying to, to use all of the police knowledge that he has just against omar like this raw force of hardened by the streets versus like man i could have been you like it, it's it's deep and it is kind of you know they, they they didn't have to be that different like they really had a similar upbringing so how different are they and yeah, yeah i sorry, was gonna go say they, i was gonna say they really are in terms of what you're saying they're like a tale of two sides of a coin 
you know, you have the one, you know, they went to the same school, which essentially means they grew up in the same neighborhoods. And so it's just this idea of, you know, what was their support environment like? Because for the first time in these episodes, we get introduced to Omar's mother, which, or grandmother, which Avon's people are sitting on that house trying to kill Omar at the same time. They're also dealing with Marlo that, it, again, this is not going to go well for Avon. Avon is not making it out of this season. But oh, they, Avon is okay. A- Avon Avon might have the hex on him. He he might he might be done. Um, he he just he's he's catching too many L's. Stringer's against him. Marlo's against him. Omar's against. You can only fight so many fronts. You know who's with him? To, like nobody, right? I mean, look, look back to the Germans, man. They lost the war on they lost the war on two fronts. Like it's it's just it is what it is, and it, I just I think that that is what's happening to Avon. I'm yes, I'm comparing him to Nazi Germany. Don't worry about it. But at, at the same time, you know, just to go back a second, I, I think like Bunk clearly knew whatever he did was going to work because he ends up getting the gun, and on some level that that clears omar's conscience a little bit like i did something i i was able to help a little bit even if i can't bring my bring our people back what do you i i, I like deaths so what do you obviously you picked avon kind of anyone oh, else you see you I've see kicking it towards the end of the season i know you mentioned johnny what else we got come the old lady's not making it johnny's not making it i don't think avon's gonna make it um you know we're getting to that point you know we're getting toward the end of the series. You know, we're, we're more than halfway through the series at this point, and there's only five seasons. So anyone at this point could be on the chopping block, except except for maybe the police. I had originally said Coven would die. I now just think he'll get fired because, like, that's another way I guess he could lose his pension we'll potentially. just resign, maybe. I don't know. No, I, I think, like, a gross negligence firing would, like, cost him his pension or something like that. And that's how they, that's how they like, bring that pension story full circle. Um, other people who might die, Stringer is is as safe as safe can be in my eyes. Marlo, I think, is largely safe. Omar, I think, is largely safe. I, I think Omar, if he does end up dying, would be one of like a really late one, like a season. I think five Omar, death. yeah, I think Omar is uh, Omar is definitely a full series guy. I, the name, I mean, I tossed out Johnny like last episode. I think he's still a top candidate, and I'm sticking yeah, with Cut. I'm, I'm sticking with Cuddy, like. I, I just don't see it. I you you believe in the good of the show, and I, I can't say that I do. Let me let me correct. That. It's not that I believe in the good of the show. <laughs> I'm hoping in the good of the show. You have the right read on it. That like a character doing good and wanting to do good and want to make better of his life. So far, they've all died. It, it was Wallace. It was D'Angelo, and now Cuddy is next. And if he dies, the, the they're sending they're sending a message. I don't know if it's a good message, but they're sending a message. Let me hit you with some uh, some rapid fire right here before we go. A uh, couple couple ideas I want to bounce off you. Um, Daniels and uh, Perlman. Does that do, do we think that continues? Perlman. Who's Perlman the, again? The like lawyer like uh, that works with them. Oh, like, oh red Rhonda. Hair, the the affair. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, there's no reason to stop at this point. Like, he, he, he weasels his way, like, out of any controversy there with, like, remember they're talking about him and his wife, and he's like, he's like, she did all these things to appease me all these years. I'm doing this, and then that's it. But if there's anything we've learned about Daniels, he is a dirty liar, because multiple times he's told people, I'm just going to do this one more thing, and then I'm done. And it was not the last time he did that thing. So I, I don't, I, I don't know from Daniels. He, he, he's not my favorite character. I'm learning. 
Sticking on the relationship vein, uh, Kima and her partner, what's the future there? Uh, they probably make it out of season three. Uh, I, I would guess they make. I don't know why. I feel like something's going to happen that brings them close again. Kind of like, you know, her getting shot brought them close briefly, but also drove them apart. Like something is going to bring them closer. By the way, honorable mention for one of the funniest scenes of the show so far is when Kima and McNulty are sharing that hotel room and he hints at the fact that maybe they should have sex and then she just kind of gives him a look and he goes, he goes, eh, it's me. <laughs> I just love that. Uh, Carcetti, mayor, uh, does it happen this season? Oh, so you're you're putting all the money on it's it's gonna he's happen. Gonna, I think he's gonna win. I, I think all signs point to him winning because he's he's bodying the mayor at every turn right now. Yeah, we're focusing on on him a little too much to not make him the mayor. I, I would agree. Uh, this season, I don't feel like we have enough time. No, I, I that's think that's fair. a next season thing. Or or it could be like a very end of the season. Maybe it's in the montage. Oh, okay. I had one more. I'm not gonna lie, but I don't remember it. So. Very anticlimactic way to end the episode, but I'll throw it up on social media or something if it comes back to me. Anything, anything pressing at you? Hey Tom, not nothing pressing to me. Great job today, uh, leading this one. We might do this more often. This was a nice change of pace for me. You know, I still felt you like just, I could jump in. You just react, and, yeah. Well, yeah, I felt like I could jump in and kind of, kind of do the hosting thing if I wanted to. But for the most part, I was just sitting back, you know, letting you just kind of do your thing. Tom, uh, I'll take over here for the end. Do you have any final thoughts? I've said all I need to say. Tom, great work out of you today. He said all he's need to say. I don't know. I feel like I, I could probably go another 10 minutes, but it's okay. We don't have to. It's Tom Shiley. I'm David Rowe. Catch you back here next week for another edition. There's a lot going on. Oh, wait. This is Talgo TV. Yikes. The dis- oh. This is what happens when I don't do the full hosting. I could the, go, the, I could go the, 10 more minutes. Right. The dismount, just not there. You know what? I'm still talking. <laughs> going to iTunes, five-star rating, blah, blah, blah. Talgo TV. And then I punch my phone at the end. That's just great. <laughs> <laughs>